Chapter Seventeen of the Red Badge of Courage, an episode in the American Civil War. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mike Vendetti. The Red Badge of Courage, an episode of the American Civil War by Stephen Crane. Chapter Seventeen. This advance of the enemy had seemed to the youth like a ruthless hunting. He began to fume with rage and exasperation. He beat his foot upon the ground and scowled with hate at the swirling smoke that was approaching like a phantom flood. There was a maddening quality in this seeming resolution of the foe to give him no rest. It gave him no time to sit down and think. Yesterday he had fought and had fled rapidly. There had been many adventures. For today he felt that he had earned opportunities for contemplative repose. He could have enjoyed portraying to uninitiated listeners various scenes at which he had been a witness or ably discussing the processes of war with other proved men. Too, it was important that he should have time for physical recuperation. He was sore and stiff from his experiences. He had received his fill of exertions and wished to rest. But those other men seemed never to grow weary. They were fighting with their old speed. He had a wild hate for the relentless foe. Yesterday, when he had imagined the universe to be against him, he had hated it, little gods and big gods. Today he hated the army of the foe with the same great hatred. He was not going to be badgered of his life, like a kitten chased by boys, he said. It was not well to drive men into final corners. At those moments they could all develop teeth and claws. He leaned and spoke into his friend's ear. He menaced the woods with a gesture. If they keep on chasing us, by God, they'd better watch out. Can't stand too much. The friend twisted his head and made a calm reply. If they keep a chasing us, they'll drive us all into the river. The youth cried out savagely at this statement. He crouched behind a little tree with his eyes burning hatefully and his teeth set in a cur-like snarl. The awkward bandage was still about his head, and upon it over his wound there was a spot of dry blood. His hair was wondrously tousled, and some straggling, moving locks hung over the cloth of the bandage down toward his forehead. His jacket and shirt were open at the throat, and exposed his young bronzed neck. There could be seen spasmodic gulpings at his throat. His fingers twined nervously about his rifle. He wished that it was an engine of annihilating power. He felt that he and his companions were being taunted and derided from sincere convictions that they were poor and puny. His knowledge of his inability to take vengeance for it made his rage into a dark and stormy specter that possessed him and made him dream of abominable cruelties. The tormentors were flies sucking insolently at his blood, and he thought that he would have given his life for a revenge of seeing their faces in pitiful plights. The winds of battle had swept all about the regiment until the one rifle, instantly followed by others, flashed in its front. A moment later, its sudden and valiant retort. A dense wall of smoke settled slowly down. It was furiously slit and slashed by the knife-like fire from the rifles. To the youth, the fighters resembled animals, tossed for a death struggle into a dark pit. There was a sensation that he and his fellows at bay were pushing back always pushing fierce onslaughts of creatures who were slippery. Their beams of crimson seemed to get no purchase upon the bodies of their foes. The latter seemed to evade them with ease and come through, between, around, and about with unopposed skill. 
when in a dream it occurred to the youth that his rifle was an important stick he lost sense of everything but his hate his desire to smash into pulp the glittering smile of victory which he could feel upon the faces of his enemies the blue smoke swallowed line curled and wreathed like a snake stepped upon it swung its ends to and fro in an agony of fear and rage the youth was not conscious that he was erect upon his feet he did not know the direction of the ground indeed once he even lost the habit of balance and fell heavily he was up again immediately one thought went through the chaos of his brain at the time he wondered if he had fallen because he had been shot but the suspicion flew away at once he did not think more of it he had taken up a first position behind the little tree with a direct determination to hold it against the world he had not deemed it possible that his army that day could succeed and from this he felt the ability to fight harder but the throng had searched in all ways until he lost directions and locations save that he knew where lay the enemy the flames bit him and the hot smoke broiled his skin his rifle barrel grew so hot that ordinarily he could not have borne it upon his palms but he kept on stuffing cartridges into it and pounding them with his clanking bending ramrod if he aimed at some charging through the smoke he pulled his trigger with a fierce grunt as if he were dealing a blow of the fist with all his strength when the enemy seemed falling back before him and his fellows he went instantly forward like a dog who seeing his foes lagging turns and insists upon being pursued and when he was compelled to retire again he did it slowly sullenly taking steps of wrathful despair once he in his intent hate was almost alone and was firing when all those near him had ceased he was so engrossed in his occupation that he was not aware of a lull he was recalled by a hoarse laugh and a sentence that came to his ears in a voice of contempt and amazement eternal fool don't don't you know enough to quit when there ain't anything to shoot at good god he turned then and pausing with his rifle thrown half into position looked at the blue line of his comrades during this moment of leisure they seemed all to be engaged in staring with astonishment at him they had become spectators turning to the front again he saw under the lifted smoke a deserted ground he looked bewildered for a moment then there appeared upon the glazed vacancy of his eyes a diamond point of intelligence oh he said comprehending he returned to his comrades and threw himself upon the ground he sprawled like a man who had been thrashed his flesh seemed strangely on fire and the sounds of the battle continued in his ears he groped blindly for his canteen the lieutenant was crowing he seemed drunk with fighting he called out to the youth by heavens if i had ten thousand wildcats like you i could tear the stomach out of this war in less than a week he puffed out his chest with large dignity as he said it some of the men muttered and looked at the youth in awestruck ways it was plain that as he had gone on loathing and firing and cursing without the proper intermission they had found time to regard him and they now looked upon him as a war devil the friend came staggering to him there was some fright and dismay in his voice are you all right fleming do you feel all right there ain't nothing the matter with you henry is there no said the youth with difficulty his throat seemed full of knobs and burrs these incidents made the youth ponder it was revealed to him that he had been a barbarian a beast he had fought like a pagan who defends his religion regarding it he saw that it was fine wild and in some ways easy he had been a tremendous figure no doubt 
By this struggle he had overcome obstacles, which he had admitted to be mountains. They had fallen like paper peaks, and he was now what he called a hero, and he had not been aware of the process. He had slept, and awakening found himself a knight. He lay and basked in the occasional stares of his comrades. Their faces were varied in degrees of blackness from the burned powder. Some were utterly smudged. They were reeking with perspiration, and their breath came hard and wheezing. And from these soiled expanses they peered at him. "'Hot work! Hot work!' cried the lieutenant deliriously. He walked up and down, relentless and eager. Sometimes his voice could be heard in a wild, incomprehensible laugh. When he had a particularly profound thought upon the science of war, he always unconsciously addressed himself to the youth. There was some grim rejoicing by the men. "'By thunder, I bet this army'll never see another new regiment like us!' "'You bet!' A dog, a woman, and a walnut tree. The more you beat em, the better they be. That's like us. Lost a parliament they did, and if an old woman swept up the woods, she'd get a dustpan full. Yes, and if she come around again in about an hour, she'll get a pile more. The forest still bore its burden of clamor. From off under the trees came the rolling clatter of the musketry. Each distant thicket seemed a strange porcupine with quills of flame. A cloud of dark smoke, as from smoldering ruins, went up toward the sun, now bright and gay, in the blue enameled sky. End of chapter 17